Um, hello and welcome to the show. Welcome to Winterfell. And we have been drinking heavily. Um, tonight we're going to cover uh, season four, episode three called Breaker of Chains. Um, with me, as always, is the the birthday girl herself, Rachel. Happy birthday to me. Hi, guys. <laughs> and also with, uh, with us is the god of uh, tits and wine, Dwayne. Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, this show is a member of the Screeching Dog Net Net Network, which you can find at screechingdog.com. And if we get off on tangents and talk about things that make that make no absolutely no sense, it is because. Uh, we ce- we celebrated a birthday and celebrated Game of Thrones by getting somewhat shit faced. Just a little bit. Yeah, so we're going to try hey, to. Nobody is slurring their words. Everybody is just fine. Thank you very much. Everybody's just a little bit tipsy. That's all. It's just just, just a little tipsy. But yeah. it's to celebrate my birthday, so it's for a good reason, right? It's a good cause. Yeah. That's what we tell everybody yeah. anyway. Of course. Of course. I'm sorry. So we're going to let gonna... the announcer speak now. <laughs> We are going to try our best to uh, get through this, even though it was very hard to pay attention to what was going on. But generally, I thought that it was a pretty good show. What did it, what what did everybody else think? It totally rocked, as is customary for Game of Thrones. What do you think, Dwayne? I think at this point, I probably should rewatch it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, hard to pay attention when everybody's being goofy and talking the entire time um which i dozed off a a couple times but hey what the hell um the show you know here's the deal it can't be a red wedding or a purple wedding every episode you know so well i think that this show had some pretty shocking moments i mean nothing of that caliber but it was pretty shocking um, which we will get into because, I mean, the show starts off exactly where it leaves off with, uh, Joffrey laying on the ground, bloody, dead, you know, staring off into whatever heaven that they be, be, Oh no, be that dude went to hell. He went to hell. No, you know damn well oh, that he, went, that to he went to heaven because he was a sweet boy. Oh, he went to hell. He went straight to hell. He busted hell wide ass open. And we see uh, Cersei um, asking uh, Tyrion why he why he you know killed him, and he just stood there like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Um. And uh, anyway. Then we then we move to the um, I guess that that one is the temple where they where they lay his 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 body, and Tywin is giving a civic lesson to uh, the next king. Um, God, I cannot remember his friggin' name. Anyway, he's a brother of Joffrey. He is the little brother. And you see that Cersei is m- m- uh, uh, mourning, and in the background you can hear our mascot, 
uh, Jill, who is Screeching Dog. And I am not going to edit that shit out because I'm going to be lazy. But, um. Yeah, she's screeching right now. I have no oh, idea why, but she, she is. is she's trying to tell us something. <laughs> what is it, Jill? What is it? Did you like Winterfell tonight? Did you like it? Was it good? Did you like it, Jill? Huh. Yes, this is the reason why we named it Screeching Dog Network. Is that yes, and we will have much, much more on our pit bull, Jill. Mm-hmm. But what did we all think about Tywin? Um, pretty much uh, discussing what it, what it is to be a king with his grandson, uh, Rachel. I thought it was very interesting. Um... I mean, he was kind of grooming him up on and trying to determine, you know, I guess what he was doing, he was not only grooming him, but he was kind of, um, well, it was kind of obvious to the viewer anyway, that this young child had a lot of respect for his grandfather, or at least enough respect to try to impress him and answer his questions correctly. Um, so, you know, it'd be kind of interesting to see what happens from here, which, you know, they say he can become king of age. But I don't know, is it ever said what age is of age? Because Joffrey was obviously a child, an idiot, goofy, um, psychotic child, but he was a child nonetheless. Well, so how old does this kid what have happens to be before is, he's king? Is that he is, he is, he is king. But he has to have a his mother who's going to be queen regent, which means that she has just a, just as much authority as he does. I I am assuming is that true, Dwayne? Yes, the queen regent. it's basically the uh, the queen has the final say. Now, of course. The king has most of the authority, but the queen has the final say in that, you know, she can override him, but the king can take her out of the picture. So it's a very complicated system. Yeah, because we never saw Cersei override Joffrey because basically because he was in, you know, crazy Okay, right. I'm confused then. So, well, well, does that you, mean that she can override him until he is of a certain age, or until right. he is a certain age? Until he reaches adulthood, no, the age of being. So, adult. okay, all right. So, at what age it, or can he assume the kingdom, and at what age does he reach adulthood when he can just ignore what his mom says? Which, which is which? Do you know, Dwayne? I'm thinking in. As far as medieval terms, I'm thinking it was 13 to 14, something like that. Because everything they, else is... They don't actually say it in the show, do they? I don't think so. I don't remember specifically if they did or didn't. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's like the reason why I'm wondering is like, does she have power now? You know, as long as she can talk her son into making a decree or doing whatever she wants well, him to do. This is what is going to lead into my next question. Do you think, Dwayne, that Tywin is making a, a power play with his grandson in order to try to box out uh, Cersei? 
I think he's trying to groom him into a better king than what Joffrey was. Um, at the same time, he uh, he probably is trying to assume power over Cersei. But Cersei in the books was much more of a villain than we see in the show. She was really in the books as far as, you know, that's concerned. She was the main villain and not Joffrey. Right. Um, she could be or could become, rather, the, uh, the main villain in the show. That's true. Well, you know, as a mom to two sons, I only have sons. Don't have any daughters. But as a mom to two sons, as far as I'm concerned, she was the main villain, even if Joffrey called all the shots, because she raised that asshole. Right. And instead of standing up to him and going, I did not raise you to do this bullshit, she just acted like, well, <sighs> he's the king, so I have to acquiesce. Well, you, do you think that she was also afraid of him, too? No. Because there no, was not for well, see, one minute well, was see, Cersei there afraid of Joffrey. Was no. at, there was at one point Joffrey did threaten to a, to a killer if if she didn't stay out of his way. I don't think for one minute she was afraid of Joffrey. Now that's my opinion. You know, I'm speaking as a mother and you're of sticking sons, to it. But that you know, my opinion is that no, she was not no more afraid of him than a man in the moon. He was a very good um, scapegoat for her. Because a lot of the things that he wanted done, she did too. Even if she thought they were cruel and unfair, she could go in her most, you know, because, look, let's face it. All of us have like a, a evil self. And we could go, he, 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 I wish this would happen to this person who's done blah, blah, blah to me. And it was almost as if she could hide behind you know, he's the king. And her little fantasies of what should happen to their so-called enemies would happen. I don't know whether or not she even considered the consequences. I'm just saying I don't think for a minute she was afraid of him. Now, I could so, be wrong, but that's my thoughts. So you're saying that you see it as Joffrey could be acting on these fantasies that Cersei has, and she can wash her hands of it and say, well, it wasn't me. I didn't do this. I could see exactly. that. Exactly. It was the king's wish, and he is the king. And the king is, you know, this and this and this, and he rules all, and that's the king. But do I think she was afraid of him? No. I don't think she was afraid of him for one minute. I mean, you take that scene where she basically put him to bed. You go into bed, Dropper. You go into bed. No. Yeah, I don't but, think she was afraid of him. But no. see, it also helps if you have Tywin there to say, uh, little shit, you will do what you're told. Because Yeah, but she had. she's the one that had to back it up. I, I really don't think she was afraid. I really don't. I think... I think she 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 worded things in such a way to avoid a confrontation with a little psychopath. But he was convenient for her, and um, 
that she could, if she needed to, exercise her power and control to keep him and her dad from locking up. I mean, that's just, that's my thoughts. I don't think for one minute Cersei was afraid of Joffrey. No. Well, we uh, kind of skipped over in a, a very important part in this story is that when we uh, when the show opens and we see uh, Joffrey laying on the ground dead, we see the fool that gave um, Sansa the necklace um, and trying to spirit her uh, away at the end of last week's show. Um, sh- he actually does get her out of uh, King's Landing by rowboat, and they come upon another boat, and lo and behold, who do we have on the boat waiting for her? Littlefoot. Littlefinger. Drunk. And um, he ends up killing the fool because he didn't want to Wait a minute, Littlefinger's drunk or you're drunk? I'm drunk. Oh. No, you're not. (laughs) He ends up... Just saying. Just a little bit. Yeah. Mm. He ends up killing the fool because he doesn't trust him to keep his to know keep his uh, mouth shut. And he basically claims credit for this entire su- scenario of Joffrey being killed. Well, it's obvious that he knows what's going on. I mean, at least ahead well, of time because he we planted think... the whole necklace thing with the fool and everything. Yes, but do we actually think that he is responsible for Robbie's death, or uh, is he a part of it, or was he just he there? He had to have some prior knowledge. Otherwise, you know, he, he made it very clear to Sansa that he had given the fool the necklace. Right. You know, that it was not worth two cents because he crushed it immediately. It was not diamonds. It was not worth anything. So it's, it's obvious that he, he had a part in it somehow. Do I think he's the guy behind it? No. I just think he's the guy to make sure Sansa's, Sansa is uh, safe. Which is not great for Tyrion because, you know, I think Tyrion was great for Sansa and Sansa was great for Tyrion. But either way, uh, no, I don't think he was responsible for it, but I do believe he had a part in it. He had to have. Well, what do you think, Darwin? Well, <clears throat> you know. I already know exactly who's behind the whole plot, so I can't yeah, really. Yeah, so do I. But <laughs> so you know, I can't really comment on whether I think he's behind it or not. <clears throat> but I think that he feels an obligation to Catelyn because he was so in love with her that he has to take care of her children, that he has to get them out of harm's way. So you don't think he has so you don't think that he has an ulterior motive with Sansa. It's possible. Man, he is a snake in the grass. Oh, absolutely. Um Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um Well, okay, Rachel, do you think that he has an ulterior motive with Sansa? I think this guy has an ulterior motive with everything he does. Because he told her that, that he's going to take take her home. Which, for all intents and purposes, is Winterfell, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, she, she doesn't really have anything to go home to. And she right. knows this, but, of course, at this point in time, she don't have any choice. I mean, it's just about 
a matter of running for her life because if anybody has reason to po- poison Joffrey, it's her. I mean, you know, I mean, considering what he's done to her entire family and what he's done to her, too. But, you know, this guy, I mean, yeah, I think he's got an ulterior motive in everything he does. I don't think he does anything for just one reason. I think everything that he does has multiple motivations, multiple, multiple reasons. angles to it. Yes, I, I do. I believe that too, Dwayne, yeah. Well, I think that we can all agree that Sansa fleeing like this is also not good for Tyrion. Because, no, because, I mean, if anybody had a reason to kill Joffrey, it was Sansa. Right, especially in the eyes of the people. Right. Yeah, and it's like, why would anybody think that Tyrion would do it when he was ordered to be Joffrey's cupbearer, like, at the last minute, and get me this and get me that, like... You know, it's like, I want to go, so, okay. What that does if you believe is that, that happened, just, that was convenient for you. That was, I mean, that makes no sense. Well, <laughs> you're going to kill somebody. Does, you're not going to be standing there when they die, you know? It, it also gives them, you know, if you're going to frame somebody, you would want that person to be, you know, around and have the opportunity to poison somebody, that person. Opportunity and motive. Right. And he was very, and he was very cruel to a Tyrion. So, well, there were a lot of people who had a lot of motives, and all of this yeah. right here is just turning into law and o- 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 order, a Westeros. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm waiting for a Briscoe to you know, show up and. Dun dun. Damn right. <laughs> um. So then we, um. We go to the Stannis storyline, which, for once, I actually enjoyed it, and I'm very curious as to see what, 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 what happens. Now, unfortunately, this is part of the show that there were a lot of talking going on. Sorry. No, no, I mean, it's everybody, but, um... Basically, what it boils down to is that um, Stannis got the note that Joffrey is is no dead, so he wants to start pr- pr- pressing his his claim to the throne, but he doesn't have an an army to do this with. So they discussed hiring the I think they're called the Gold Shield or the are the gold swords or whatever but they are in but that is an army for for hire and they have no gold in order to hire them so then you see um stannis is you know hand of, of, of the king who is uh the former smuggler whose name is elude me but he goes and talks to Stanis' daughter, and he begins to read this book, and then he has this idea that he's going to write a, a letter under Stanis' name to the Iron Bank. And then that's it. That's the end of that storyline for the show, which, which leaves it, uh, I think, in a very good way that makes me want to see it next episode. I think that 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 this that this storyline was so good because uh, the red bitch, whatever her name is again, uh, Pussy 
demon chick. It was not in the freaking e- e- episode. But um, she's the least interesting character in the show. Absolutely, I cannot understand why they even keep this character around. But um, how how did you feel about you no know, this scene with uh with a with a with a Stanish doing? I'm just really, I'm really just glad that she wasn't in it because, you know, she throws all that, you know, that religious talk into it, mm-hmm. into everything she does, mm-hmm. that she really grates on my nerves. And, and it I, just seems like she just drags a whole, that, that whole story arc down. Right. And, you know, it's like, we see... Because nobody's buying it. Nobody's buying her bullshit. That's the the thing. I don't even think the viewers buy her bullshit. That that if she were more believable, like if she had more power and more control, we could buy her stuff. But she doesn't, and so it's like nobody believes her bullshit. Not the viewers. Nobody. This is the thing, though. Dwayne uh, mentioned this is that you don't actually see her do any, uh, anything unlike the uh, the man from the uh, Brotherhood that brought that gentleman back to a life. Right. You, know, you, you see him do that and you see her with her pussy demon or whatever you call it. But you don't really see her do much of anything other than sacrificing people. Right. And, you know, setting people on fire, and it's like, okay, enough of your shit. Let's move on. And yeah, she is... just comes across as like a charlatan that nobody believes, just like a crock of bull. And it's right. like, okay, none of us believe her, so why could Stannis believe her? So that's why I think that's why we get impatient with this scene. She's not right. believable. And especially since, you know, the only one who, who ever saw the pussy demon was the smuggler guy. He was the only one who ever saw it. Well, Brianna saw it, but she thought that it was, no, a Stannis. Right. But yeah, um, I just find that this storyline just like got kicked up several notches because she wasn't in the damn thing. Yeah, it kind of falls flat. And I really enjoyed it. Um, I was like, hell yeah. Finally, enough of the red woman. Yeah, but she'll probably be back next episode. And this of course. Like, well, we uh, we go on to um, Lady Olena and her granddaughter, who was, I guess now you can call her the Widow Queen or Joffrey's Widow. And they were talking about whether or not she was she was actually queen and Basically, the answer to that is no, because they never consummated the a marriage, which means that Joffrey didn't fuck her. And I, and personally, I don't know if Joffrey could have fucked her, but I think that there's a well, she wasn't they, screaming and bleeding and in pain. He probably couldn't have. That right. And I love the little line there where she said that that her first husband uh, only liked fucking men. And he and her second one, you know, only, 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 only like to hurt a- animals or something like that. It's like, yeah, you have bad luck with kings. 
Um, and then you and then you hear um, Olena talking about how she was how she was uh, no how she is better off and that they will find her a better husband. Uh, do you think that they're talking about the new king or just someone else? That's an interesting point because you've got Stannis, who is obviously too infatuated with the Red Woman uh-huh. to do anything about it, to have anything to do with her. Then, you know, you've got several people who claim the Iron Throne. You've got um, the Queen Regent now, Cersei, yes. obviously you know, can't marry this woman. And if she could, she wouldn't. Um, you know, you've, you've, you've got a bunch of characters that are trying to buy for the throne, but none of them that are available. So, as far as whether she, you know, is trying to be queen or not, I doubt it. Because, I mean, she really wants to be queen of something. Right. Really wants it, but whether she'll get it or not, that remains to be seen. Well, uh, now we move on to the Arya story, story arc and her voyage with the Hound. And I find that this one right here is very, very interesting. Interesting. They are watering their horses on on somebody's land, who pretty much catches them. And Arya, who is—I mean, she turned out to be a pretty smart chick. Um, she I told up, you Arya's got a warrior's heart. That is my stance. I think she is very, very good for that role. So <laughs> that's why she was able to play this off so well. Well, she ends up uh, talking her. Her and the hound into getting a shelter and some rabbit stew from this very kind man who, at every chance he gets, the hound just insults. And um, it turns out that be you know the next the next uh, 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 morning the hound the hound uh, uh, attacks this man and steals all of his uh, silver. So are we starting to see the hound in a new light or 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 is his code still intact? I think his code is still intact because of the way he phrased his code and the way he um described this old man as well he's dead anyway he doesn't need it. You know. Mhm. Like, way back when, if your sword broke, you picked it up off a dead guy. You know, it, it, it wasn't a big deal because, hey, he's dead. He doesn't need it. So, what, you know, he doesn't really, um, he's not really a, going against his own code because... Technically, I mean, the guy probably will die come winter, but oh yeah, whether you know he stole from the guy, maybe he's 
the hound is more of a bastard than we than we thought previously because he's okay with stealing from people that need it the most. Yeah, I, th- I think we're just seeing him. The least. I think we're just seeing him as his true colors. We're seeing some of the um, the uh, layers that make up the hound. Like he can be good in one respect, and in the other respect, it's like, what the fuck were you thinking, dude? He's like, well, he's dead anyway. He's weak. He and his daughter's gonna be dead by winter, so you know, somebody Very might as well true. get the silver. Might as well be me. And you know, which really, really upsets Arya. Understandably, because she has a very strict code, and um, but I think it just kind of it opens the door for us to see that the hound can go either way depending on the circumstances. You know, right. he, he, he could be a a Robin Hood, or he could be the opposite of that depending on what his needs are. Exactly. And he can you know, justify it either way. And Arya's going at the, at the same time. Arya's like, what the hell did you just do? It doesn't matter under what circumstances you did this. Based on what they've done for us and what we've said, we don't do this. You know, so she was just outraged at the whole thing. But the Hound depends on the situation and the circumstance. You know, he kind of makes his own code as he goes along. Which, you know, if somebody has a real strict code and they're decent, that's fine. If they don't, well, you know, that's the end of the... Um, universe as we know it right right and and it could be also i mean your code will change if you're hungry absolutely you will do whatever you have to do to get some food in your belly regardless of what your code is and don't you just love how they were eating that 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 stew they were going a spoon what spoon just slurping it down. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, that 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 being said, these scenes, the last few scenes that we that we've been talking about, they were very short, and you don't really get to get to spend a whole a whole lot of time with them. And um, maybe that is, you no. Know, it's, it seems like that with these certain characters, we are leading up to something major. That's why we're getting little, you know, a snippets here, here, and here and there. Um, I want to I want to move move on to I, what I think is probably the most uncomfortable scene in the entire show. Was Going back towards the beginning of of the show, when Joffrey is in the uh, is in the a chapel or the a temple, and Jamie comes in, and he excuses everybody but her and um and and a Cersei, and what everybody knows, even they know, we all know that Joffrey was Jamie's son. But well, but what we don't see is him having any kind of, you know, emotional, of any any kind of emotion of anything that has to do with the death of his son. It seems like he just 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 no no doesn't care. Well, see, truly, honestly, the only person that we care that we see that gives a shit is Cersei. Is right. Mom. That's the only person that gives a damn. The rest, everybody else is either relieved, um, 
um, thankful or indifferent. Yeah, but really. this is his son, and don't you think that he would have some kind of reaction to it? Well, yeah, I mean, you would think he would, um, except for the fact that Joffrey was like a sociopath. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that reflects on Jamie or just totally reflects on Joffrey's character. I don't know. Uh, it remains to be also, seen with me because Joffrey, I mean, um, Jamie is so complicated, you know, so. It also has a lot to do with, you know, the way times were in the, the Middle Ages where, you know, kids died all the time. Right. And, you know, you just kind of blocked it out of your mind that, oh, well, if this kid dies, I'll just make another. And well, it wasn't really that, you know, a huge life changer like it is now. Well, to me, it no, in, in a scene, the only time that you ever see him show emotion towards somebody that he actually cared, cared about is Tyrion when Cersei asked him to go and you know, kill him. And he was like, uh, no, that's my uh, brother. You know, he will have a, a trial. And then he proceeds to get angry at Cersei, and I don't know if he if he raped her or if she was just one of those going, oh no, don't, oh no. But they did their deed, basically laying on top of their dead son. Um, are we kind of forgetting that Jamie is the same person that pushed a a ten year old boy out the window? You know, are we so enthralled with with him because of Brianna that we forgot that he is actually a dick? I've never forgotten it, but at the same time, you also have to to respect Jamie, even though he's such a bastard. You can, you know, you can respect him for saying, "I will not break my code. My code is my own." And it is, you know, it's, I can't break it. Well, do you think that, that he was raping her or, or was she consensual, but trying to fight him off, you know, in order to make it more fun? Well, I think that he probably in a way was trying to comfort her. Um, probably not the best way to go about it. No. But he was he was doing, you know, I think he was doing what he did to try to comfort her, to try to take her mind off of everything. Um, probably not the best thing to do while her son's body is laying right beside her. Yeah, that was very uncomfortable. But, you know, he was trying. You know, he was trying to to take her mind off of it. And, you know, the guy was in captivity for for a year or more. So he's probably pretty hard up. He wants some poo, some poo tang. See, I think, here's my my take. I feel like what he was trying to do was assert his authority on one hand. And on the other hand, was trying to recreate what existed before he left. Because, you know, Cersei had made it very clear to him that things had changed. Yeah, because he was too late. 
Yeah, he was gone for just too long. He just, I'm sorry, but you just remained captive for just too long. And I've moved on, you know, whatever. But I think, I think that was two things that, you know, he was trying to assert his authority and he was trying to make things be like they used to be. But I don't think he ever had any emotional ties to Joffrey at all, which, you know, granted would have been kind of hard anyway. But still, you know, still very disturbing and very, um, but, you know, that's the thing that makes this show so interesting is that the characters are not all good or all bad. They're not saints and sinners. They're complex. Right. They have good right. sides and bad sides and good parts and bad parts. And you, see, you can see, you know, Jamie push little Bran out of a window. And, you know, you see a little bit of that he does care for Joffrey in his own way. Especially in the past two episodes, before yeah, cause, that he yeah, didn't give a shit. I mean, yeah. you see him running to his side, you know, and then he gets right. pushed aside by a Cersei. So yeah, right. I can see that. Um, let's move on to a very interesting scene, which, to me, was my favorite one. Well, if okay. It, <laughs> it's not my favorite because it opens up with girl on girl on girl. Oh on come girl, on, you are which lying. was friggin' awesome. <laughs> but like, I found it oh my very God, interesting life. because Tywin and Oberon have a very strong play on words here. They are like fencing with their words. And um Oberon pretty much just comes right out and asks a Tywin, was he responsible for his sister's death? Did he order Mountain to do what he did? And he just said, nope. And for a moment, I actually thought that Oberon believed him. I'm not sure that I do, but I think that, you know, that, you know, that, you know, Oberon does. And then he pretty much offered him a seat on a small council and asked him to be a judge at Tyrion's trial. Um, which, you know, to me would make Oberon the only uh, 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 objective member of the, you know, trial. But when he... But he, uh, he was obviously bribed with his seat on the small council, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Like he, That's... like Tyrion is trying to set up, um, that Tywin is trying to set Tyrion up to, you know, lose his head. Right, because, you know, Tyrion is the child that he never wanted. Right. You know, it was, it was the child that, that killed his wife, that, you know, he came out deformed and and all those things. And, you know, again, it's it's a lot to do with the times that it's set in. You know, we understand now that they're just people like you and I. Mm-hmm. Back then, that was, you know, that was like a curse. It was because you did something wrong, you know, that that shamed you and your family right. that this, this thing was born that killed your wife that, you know, that broke your family up. You know, it was, 
Go ahead. Well, what do you think? I think that's a very good point, Dwayne. I really do. And I think you're dead on with it. I really do. Um, they'd much rather, you know, if they can get rid of Tyrion, they can get rid of a lot of their own But kids. don't you think that Jamie is the only person that stands up for him? Yeah, but, I mean, Jamie could go either way. I mean, we've seen that. But know? we but we have also seen, I mean, we have seen the the interaction between Tyrion and, and a Tywin, which, you know, is always so hard to watch. We have seen the interaction between Cersei and a Tyrion, which those two are just like, God, they hate each, each other so much. But when you see the interaction between Jaime and a Tyrion, it's like that these two people actually care about each other. Like two brothers should. Right. And it seems to me like he is the only one, especially now that he has lost his hand, it's like that they have found a whole new respect for each other. You know, well, I hope you're right, because I don't want to see anything happen to you. Well, if you think about it, when Cersei demanded that Jamie go and go and kill him, he was like, no, that's my brother. So, I don't know, it seems to me like Jamie might have something to do, to do, to do with this whole... Tyrion story arc, which I do know what happens, but I'm not going to say anything, and I, and I will say that what does happen is awesome. But Yeah, don't you say a word. <laughs> don't um, you dare mess it up for the rest of us who don't know. <laughs> let's go ahead and go on to Jon Snow and Sam. Uh, we go to... Uh, well, okay, before that, let's talk about Eg. Egret, who is Jon Snow's former wildling woman, and she's a badass bitch in this scene where they are, um, where her and her wildling cohorts are, they are sacking this small village, and she is just putting arrow into into everybody that she sees, and she just looks pissed. Um, they let one little boy sur survive to go to a castle black and uh, tell the story. But do, did you guys get the feeling that there's going to be a Jon Snow and E. Gret face-off pretty soon? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have to give a, a uh, shout-out to all the good archers out there because that shit is hard Yes. Hard enough to, to, you know, to use a rifle to hit something, but it's something that's so, uh, you know, has so many variables as as archery, that's, uh, that's hard to do. I'll just put it that way. Um, Personally, I wish it had been harder because I think Egret was um, a bitch. She killed that little boy's parents. And, you know, as a mother of boys i just cannot imagine my sons going there through that kind of stuff and i just like i want to stomp her ass i totally want to stomp her i don't want her to fall in love with john snow i don't want him to understand her i want her fucking head on a pie well now do oh, you come on she's cute as a butt uh, i don't give a damn she, she is hot as hell too. i don't give a damn who, what she is 
She's um, a bitch. Do you think she that she that is still in love with with John Snow? I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I thought <laughs> she's in love with him, or she would have killed him. But I, I don't give a fuck. I think she she I can't probably stand her. is just because of you know in those scenes where he was riding away from her and she's tearing up and and you know tears running down her face and she, as she's lobbing arrows into his back as he's trying to ride away, trying to survive. And but you know, we pretty she, much she obviously has feelings. She for could have killed him easily, right? Right. She could have, but didn't. Right. Well, if you remember, there was somebody in the group that she's in, I don't know if it's part of her people or what, who said that if she did not kill him, it's because she didn't want to. It's because she was for him. Yes, that was the person that, that's in charge of the, of the group that's south of the wall, yeah. Yeah, so I think she really didn't want to kill him. Good luck remember give a fuck. She killed that little boy's parents right there in front of him, and I want her ass to die. <laughs> I want her to die. Well, let's go ahead and move on to Castle Black, where we see John. Probably who, a good idea, because that bitch pisses me off so bad. It's a mommy thing. It's a mama well, thing. Remember, this is Game of Thrones, so you probably won't have to, to uh, wait long. Yeah, because it'll okay, because be... I want her to die. That that shit, it, what she did to Jon Snow really ticked me off. But when she picked off that little boy's parents and they sent him to the wall, yeah, I want her ass to fry. I want somebody to be chewing on her shin bone on a shish kebab. If I can just see her naked Tell me. one more time, you I would be You can see her naked all you want to, as long as her ass is gray with death. Well, let's go ahead and move on to uh, <laughs> Castle Black, where we see John, who was actually starting to come into his own. And you see that a lot of the, you know, Night's Watch is starting to, re, to, know, to, to know, respect him. And he is kind of calling calling the shots right right now. No, it's you no. Know, he decided that it's you no know, that is best that they stay and fortify Castle Black. Um, I mean, I you know for once I'm actually okay with his story arc, where okay, Jon Snow is starting to you know be you know strong. He's starting to no, grow into into himself. What do you guys think? I think it's kind of nice because you know the uh, the leader of the Night's Watch. I can't remember his name, but the the old guy with the goatee. Yes. Um. You know, Sam tells John. He says he's grooming you into be you know to be the leader. And we we actually see a little glimpse of that in this yes. in this particular scene and you know he's the only one that knows exactly how many they're going up against what their plans are and how to to you know to combat these plans um which you know he's the only one that's there that knows you know these this information what do you think rachel I think it's very interesting to see him kind of come into his own, you know, his, his leadership qualities. Um, 
personally, I think he's very beautiful. And he's one, he's been one of my favorite characters from the beginning because, you know, he's the outcast. I mean, he can't not, he can't help his bloodline. He can't help who of his course. parents were. Who, who doesn't root for the underdog? Exactly. So, you know, I have that uh, that whole underdog thing. But also, I'm very proud of him in that he's not just standing by and going whatever. He's standing up and and speaking up for what's what's the best thing to do in his opinion. Yes, Screeching Dog. I'm going to go take care of Screeching Dog, guys. Y'all keep talking. Okay. Well, I keep coming back. Do you do you do you really, um do you really remember when uh, Danny was kidnapped by those warlock guys, and she had that vision. And one of the one part of her vision was that the Iron Throne was uh, that day was covered in snow. Do you remember that? Yes. I'm beginning to wonder if that there is not a metaphor of some kind for Mister John Snow. It very well could be, or it could just, you know, be the uh, the kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, yes. Explanation for hey, winter's coming. Winter's gonna hit, and when it hits, it's gonna be bad. Well, um, yeah, it, it, it's supposed to be a very long one too. Um, how do we? How do you feel about Sam and what he did with his woman? I mean, taking her away from Castle Black and taking her to the horror house and basically just leaving her ass there. I think he um, he does the best that he can with what he has because if he leaves Castle Black, he could be beheaded if he's found by somebody. He could be he could be executed for that. Right. So. I think he does really the best that he can. Whorehouse probably not the best of places no. to take to to take a uh, an enemy captive. Um, but again, best he can with what he's got. Well, um, I had and this right here is not a, a spoiler in you know any, any sense of the word. But I had read somewhere that Sam, when he when he killed the White Walker, he had done so in front of his other Night's Watch of Brethren. And that from then on, he was like extremely well, well, well respected. And in the show, um, he killed the White uh, Walker basically in front of nobody but her. And, right. and no one on the Night's Watch believes them. Um, I wonder why they actually did this. Do you have any clue? Probably um, to keep that whole uh, you know dynamic between Sam and Jon Snow going, where you've got the really heroic character with the really dumb, goofy, funny fat best best friend yes it probably was that just because it was easy okay honestly well um i think that we're going to go ahead and move on to the last part of the show 
which is Rachel's favorite part, and she is not with us right now to talk about it. So we are going to go ahead and just move on without her because she is taking care of Jill, our mascot. But um, let's move on to Danny. And she has arrived at the city of Maureen, or however you pronounce it. And um, she is there in full force with her army, which, you know, they they do a great shot of it. It is massive. Um, the lords of the uh, city are, you know, behind their walls, and they send out their a champion. Which means that you no, know, Danny has to send out her champion, and then they'll, you know, they fight. And there's a great scene where the where the champion rides out, and he gets up his horse, and he just drops trowel, and, and you know, take, takes a pitch right, right there. And um, Danny that takes goes the whole Scottish thing where you <laughs> you just kind of flash lift your, your kilt up yeah. and flash everybody. Yeah, it takes that to to a uh, a new level. Absolutely, just taking a piss right there on the on the ground in front of them. Um, and then you see Danny trying to choose which of her champions that you know she is, you know that there is, and each each one Gray Wolf and. Jor and everybody else, you know, they one by one vol- vol- volunteer, and one by one she gives them an an excuse as to why they they cannot fight. But when um God, what is his name? Pretty boy. Yeah. Good luck remembering it. Yeah, but whenever he decides that that he is going to. Yeah, wait, what is his name? But he wants to be the uh, the a uh, champion. Um, dirt. She she's like, uh, oh, okay, no problem there. Um, do do you think that she pretty much had him singled out to begin with? And if so, is it because she has a that she may or may not have a uh, a a thing for him? It could be, and I also. You know, another way to look at it is, you know, she probably, she could have gotten tired of his antics and was just kind of, you know, a little hoping that he would lose. Maybe, yeah. So that that her, you know, her proven warriors could take him on. Or it could have been that, you know, she wanted him to prove himself to her. That's a very good point. Um, do, are you good enough to serve me? Which he pretty much shows it with, with, with ease whenever, um, his opponent is just riding towards him like he's about to joust. And this guy just does, pulls out a knife and just chucks it at him, knocks him off the horse and then cuts off his fucking head. And he does so with a with a wink to a Danny, and you're like, yeah, this guy right here is a badass, right? And um, he, and the, the interesting part is he uses one of the uh, the Dothraki swords, do I believe it's called a a shotel? Yes, it's 
it's a uh, you know basically what they use to to thresh wheat with. It's like a small handheld sickle, and it and, is pretty too, right? And uses that instead of you know the many different superior weapons. He decides to use this that actually has some meaning to her uh-huh. to take this guy's head. Well, I just love the fact that after he uh, does that, he decides to turn towards the city, drop trowel, and piss right, right right there. It's like, yeah, we are about to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. And then Danny goes into a very long speech where she talks about how the masters of that city may have lied to the slaves or, may have, or, or they may have said any anything and how every time, like every town or city that she has gone to, she has sacked the city and the slaves are now with her free. And she does something that I think was the coolest part of the entire show which was she launched these canisters over the uh, city walls. And they are... Catapults. Yes. And they are full of the collars of all the slaves that she had that she had freed. Um, and they were... People, the collars going, no, she is not... She is not lying. She's out there telling ta- 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 the truth. Just how cool was that scene? That was a really cool scene as far as, you know, she was showing these people, this is what I can give you and what I can show to your enemies, this empty collar, this, you know, you do not control me anymore. I am my own man. I have my freedom. And I choose to fight for this woman, not Mm -hmm. because, you know... They'll, you know, she'll have my head if I don't, but because she has given me my freedom. That is a very interesting spin on that, um, and um, it, and it's right then that the show just ends. And you had said right then that's all. And it seems like that, that the show just went by awfully, awfully fast. Yeah, it did. Now, that could have been liquor. I don't know. But it, it seemed like, I don't know, maybe maybe it it, uh, it transitioned between scenes so fast. Yes. That it seemed like it moved a lot faster than what it did because so much was covered. That yeah, there was a lot cut. Uh, covered, and I still think that we could have spent more time with a Danny. Um, oh, of course. Because, because I, besides the fact that she's sexy as hell, but I just, I you know, we we miss something in her no, in her story arc this, 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 this time. You did not see a single dragon with her nowhere. Right. Um, I wonder if that was, you know, a way for them to save to, to you know save money on C on CGI, or did it have to do with something that happened 
uh, last e- episode where the dragon snapped, no, uh, no, a uh, snap snapped at her. What is your Im- impression? It could have been the latter, or it could have been, you know, it as a statement to this new city. I can take you, and I don't need these mythical creatures that can raise your city to the ground. I don't need them. Oh, I love I have these warriors that that want to fight for me. I love that. Do you think, I mean, every single place that they go to, every everybody comments on the fact that the unsullied have no balls or have no dick. Um, but but yet yeah, these, I mean, these dudes, they look, they look, they look pretty fierce. Um, do you think that that there has, I mean. They and, and they all look young and they all look pretty, pretty uh, scrawny, but they, but I mean, they can. We have seen them kick all kind of ass. Um, Stand still in one spot for days at a time and have their nipple cut, uh, cut off and just stand there. It's like, wow. Um, do you think that when because we, you know, we have we have learned that. You no, know, Tywin is pretty scared of the fact that she is about to make her way across the a narrow sea. Um, do you think that her massive army will be able to, you know, because I mean they they will have the the air support of dragons. Um, do you think that just that anybody is actually worried about them because of the fact that they have no conqueror balls. Because every place that they go to, where Danny's at, they just make fun of of this fact. But yet, they always lose. Well, again, I think it has a lot to do with the times that they lived in. Because, you know, back then it was all about leaving an heir. It was all about, you know, right. having there. a son to call your own. So it's going to be real interesting when these people that roll up that have, you know, no heirs, they have no sons, no daughters, you know, nothing to carry on their name, but they're going to come in and, you know, they're going to wipe the floor because they don't care about that. That's not something that they're they're actively trying to do is you know, actively trying to survive a battle because if they can survive, hey, you know, you might be able to father a few sons and daughters. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be real interesting to see, you know, these cell swords versus these people that want to fight for, you know, the person that freed them, their well, emancipator. Well, um, I don't know the answer to to this question, and you might. Does the Unsullied have a a a reputation in Westeros? I don't remember um, specifically if they do or if they don't. Okay, because I I'll be very curious. Maybe one of our 
a listener could actually write in and, you know, answer that question because I'd be very interested to know if, you know, they do because that would give Danny a clear added advantage once she decides to cross the, uh, the uh, sea. Right. If it's a, you know, an army that's known for being especially fierce. Right. When they've got the air support of dragons, that'll that'll be a uh, hell of a morale killer. Well, as you said before, this show just seemed to go by awfully fast. They furthered most of the storylines, but not but not a whole lot. What right. I it seemed like that there was each storyline crept a little bit, like did one or two steps forward. Yes. But none of them, you know, like last week or the week before that, went six or seven steps forward. Well, we can hear Rachel out there <laughs> drag, uh, I think that's Scruffy, right? No, 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 no. That's Jill that she's getting on to because she got out the door somehow. But, um,. And it seems to me, I got the feeling that we are that this that this that this particular show with their short you no know, storylines. Oh yeah, full force. That they are preparing for a big a big episode next week. That something big just might ha- happen. I don't think that they are going to keep. Tyrion in jail for you know very long because that would not be good for for them because you know the uh, the the viewers just might get just might get tired of it. So right. I, th- I, th- I think that next episode something big just might happen. What what do you think? And you know they like I said I I saw that developer uh, developer um, creator filmer, whatever you want to call it, interview yeah. um, that they posted on their YouTube. They said that every episode was like an episode nine. This episode in particular did not feel like an episode nine. No. It very well could be the first half, <clears throat> first, you know, 25 or 30 minutes of an episode nine. Right, because I, I... Something really major. Right. It seems like that it was just like the first half of, uh, and you know what, you said when we when the show uh, uh, went off that it felt like that the show was only thirty minutes long, you know, it, it kind of and, and, and you know you're right. It kind of feels like that this right here is the first thirty minutes of a major episode. Right. Um. So I, I guess that we'll, Dad, we will have to uh, see. Um, oh, we don't have any spoilers that we want to talk about. That's going to ruin things for everybody. I know of one that'll probably happen this season. Um, that does that that does not involve a, a wedding, which is cool. Um, but I think that that's going to be it for tonight's show, and we want to go and figure out what Rachel is doing with Jill. Maybe a little bit of inner species erotica. You you, you never know. 
But yum, um, yum. oh yeah. So I, I I think that we'll go ahead and close this out, and we will talk to everybody next week. So let's say bye bye. Mm-hmm. We'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs>